Nehemiah chapter number four. Last Sunday, I, I preached a little bit from Nehemiah, and I would just kind of like to uh, not necessarily pick up where I left off, but I would like to finish some things that I feel like the Lord um, has dealt with me about. And uh, Friday night of general conference, Brother Josh Herring preached such a, a beautiful word. And uh, I kind of questioned whether or not I should be preaching this this weekend after he stomped a mud hole in it Friday night and uh, preached it. Uh, we had a few folks that were there, but there's something that I want to extrapolate from this passage that I believe God has been dealing with me in my heart for some time, and I want to, I want to do my best to deliver this to you. Nehemiah chapter 4, if you would please, in verse number 1. Thank you to our choir, our praise team, our musicians. Thank you to our media team, Brother Sean and his team. They do such a great job. And Brother Boaz keeps us feeding online all the time. I mean, you don't know how much we appreciate you. These are the people that never make it on camera. They're never up front, but they are the grease in the wheels that keep the wheels going. Amen. We appreciate you all so very much. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse number 1. But it came to pass... That when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? And this is where I would like to draw our text from tonight. Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? I felt uh, this past week, I felt the Lord just tenderly touch my heart and speak this word to me that I'm going to do my best to preach to you tonight. But... Um, this is what I felt the Lord speak to me. No new stones. No new stones. You may be seated in Jesus' name. It's very seldom that I preach from the same story or the same chapters uh, this closely together. But uh, my mind had been in Nehemiah. And uh, I think it may, was it last Sunday night? I don't remember, Sunday morning, Sunday night that I preached from Nehemiah. But I, 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 want, to, I want to help somebody here tonight. There is, there is something about our makeup that we find peppered throughout the scripture to know that we're not alone. It's a trend in humanity that whenever, whenever we feel the call to do something great for God it's like we feel like the answer is always somewhere else when Moses was standing at the Red Sea and he was facing uh, as I preached to you this morning it was like insurmountable odds our, our past is pushing us Pharaoh and his army are pushing us and here I stand all I've got is million people or hundreds of thousands of people or whatever you're feeling about that I've got more people than I know what to do with standing here watching me and I don't know what to do and the voice came from heaven to the soul of that man who was leading them 
And he said, take now the rod that is in thy hand. Now, if you believe that it was the rod in his hand that parted the waters, I think you've missed the story. But the Lord wanted Moses to know what I can do with what's in your hand is more powerful than what you could ever do by yourself. It's not the power of the rod. It's the power of the voice that's speaking to the man that has the rod to believe. By faith, I'm silly enough to believe that if I'll take what's in my hand and hold it out across this water and do what I can do with what I have, then God will do what he can do. I have preached, the Lord only knows how many times in my life, the story of the young lad that had five loaves and two fish. And when the disciples came to Jesus, and again, there was a large multitude of people, they came to the Lord and they said, look, man, the day's far spent. It's like the Lord doesn't know what time it is, you know. We're so funny. When our backs are against the wall, we start telling God what time it is. Lord, it's, uh, it's getting a little late here. I don't know if you've noticed the sun setting. And uh, Lord, it, it, it's a late hour. And he's like, oh, really? I, I, I wasn't aware. Thank you for telling me. Uh, they said, the day is far spent. There's a lot of people here. Oh, there's people here. Okay, that's, that's, that's who I've been dealing with for hours over here. It, it's so funny because we like to slip on the shoes of God just a little bit. And help him be God. It's interesting. Like he can't handle it, you know. And so, so here they come to him. Telling him, that, well, you know, Lord, these people, they're hungry. And, uh, what, 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 what should we do? And I want you to notice, I believe it was Philip that lifted his voice. And he said, Lord, should we go into town and buy 200 penny worth? Notice the mindset. We need a miracle And there's no way we can have a miracle with what we got. It is a plan of the enemy to make us believe that where we are in our present circumstance is insufficient in the hands of God. But again, I want to tell you and reiterate, it was not the power that was in the five loaves, nor the power that was in the two fish. It was the power in the hands that were going to bless and break the fish and the loaves. It is not in who we are. It is not in our ability. It is in the ability of the hands of the master to take what we have and do a miracle with it. What should we do, Lord? Send them somewhere else. And he looks at Philip. He said, well, what do you have? <laughs> well, I just, now, now, Lord, let me help you with this because I'm going to do a little math for you here. We have five loaves and two fish. And then he asked this question, but what are they among so many? I mean, how, Lord, are you possibly... Do you, you see all these people right here? Do you see all these people? And I know, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But it's like, if you could just see the mind of the Lord right there, he's like, yeah, that's, that's Billy, and he's got 42,752 hairs on his head, and that's Susie over there. She's got, you understand what I'm saying? It's like, oh, no, no. There have been 10 sparrows that have fallen to the ground while you're standing here telling me what I can't do with what you got. 
And it's easy for us to forget because our mountain seems so big and our trial seems so tall. It's tough for us to forget that he's not only God in what we're in, he don't stop being God everywhere else either. He is the almighty God. And there is no limit to what he can do. Listen, we cannot question what we've got. What are they among so many? They are enough. It's enough. Turn to your neighbor tonight and tell him it's enough. And so we see a very broken man in the story that we read tonight a, a part of the story. Nehemiah was a very broken man. As he walks into the king, it must have been very obvious. Nehemiah perhaps uh, carried his feelings on his shoulder. Because when he walked in the room, the king said, What's wrong with your countenance, son? There, there's something wrong with you. Why are you sad? And he said, well, he said, King, the, the walls of my city, they've been burned down. They're laying there. They're... I don't know what to do. And God gave him favor with this king who was perhaps a wicked man, perhaps a, a, a good man. We don't really know fully, but we do know that God gave him favor with the right man at the right place at the right time for the right season for God to do what he needed to do. And what God was looking for was a man that could get a burden for something that even though it was a job that was bigger than him and he could not do it on his own, he went to the king with a burden and said, there's something on my heart. Listen, I wake up every day of my life looking at this world and looking at this city and looking at this region and I'm wondering, God, how in the world are we going to reach America the way that we need to reach America? How are we going to reach this city, Lord? How? Are we going to reach the mission field, Lord? How are we going to do it? And I feel the Lord just nudging me to say, Son, if you'll just get a burden, I'll give you favor with the right king at the right time and the right place for the right season. I want to tell you tonight, church, God can do a lot with somebody, even if they don't have a lot of skill. If they've just got a burden to see something happen, God will use you. How many times have you heard it said that God doesn't always call the equipped, but he will equip the called? And while we stand around saying, Lord, I just don't have, I don't have anything to offer, Lord. I mean, surely, look at my gifts. What are they among so many? The Lord saying, just give me somebody with a burden. Just give me somebody that's hungry to see it happen. Give me somebody that will be broken over the walls, and I'll send them to do the work. And so... The king said, look, man, I'm, I'm going to send you and I'm going to give you the resources you need. And, and he gets to the city. And then, of course, whenever you go to do the will of God, when you get there, there will be a fight. And the enemy's not going to be happy. You can guarantee that. Look, I'm just telling you, I wouldn't want to be a part of any ministry that hell's not fighting. Because if the enemy's not fighting you, it's because you're a friend to them. I don't want to be a part of a ministry that's a friend with the enemy. Woo! Can I preach to you right now? We only have one adversary. Our adversary is not the Baptist and the Methodist. 
Our adversary, no, no, no. Our adversary is not the other apostolic churches. Our adversary is the devil. And he is as a roaring lion roaming to and fro. Our adversary is what wants us to stand around and believe God can't do it. But I'm declaring tonight, I've got a burden and you've got a burden. It's time to see it happen. The enemy loves to confuse us. He loves to make us believe our adversary is our brother. Because it always slows down the work. But the Bible said that when Nehemiah came, it began to look around at all of the damage that had been done. And of course, Ezra had built the, the temple and things were looking on the up. But it was, a, it was still a dangerous place to be because the enemy could come and go as he wished. And so Nehemiah said, well, I, I, I think it's time for us to just start building the walls. It's time for us to make this happen. And the fourth chapter said, it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that they were building the wall, when he heard that progress was happening, it made him so mad. He took great indignation and he mocked the Jews. You could preach this over and over and over. It never gets old to me. The enemy can't do anything to stop you, so he's going to stand around and mock you. I preached something last week that I've preached to myself all week long. Last Sunday when I preached about Nehemiah and I've preached it all week long. I have vocally said it out of my mouth this week probably a half dozen times when they, when they started mocking the Jews and they said, well, oh well, if a fox runs up on that wall, then the wall's gonna fall down. And I asked the question last week, if it's really that feeble, then why are they worried about it? If a fox is going to knock it down, then why do you care if they finish it? The truth is you know how powerful and how mighty it's going to be when the wall is finished. And that's why you're fighting. Can I tell you why the enemy is fighting you? It's not because you're feeble. It's not because you can't do it. It's because you can do it. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. God is trying to shift something in our minds and our spirits. It is a shift that's only going to happen through prayer and fasting and dedication, consecration to the will of God. And I want you to listen very closely to what I'm telling you right now. God is trying to bring us to the place that we as the body of Christ see ourselves the way God sees us. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? And he's trying to bring us to see how the enemy feels about us. The enemy would not fight you if you weren't a threat to his kingdom. You know why some of you are stuck in the same old battle? And you keep fighting the same old thing? I'm going to preach hard right here for just a minute. But the reason why you keep fighting the same old thing is because it keeps working. Man, if I had a rewind button. You know why it keeps fighting you with the same thing? Because it's still working. And 
at some point we've got to we, we've got to see ourselves for who we are in God. There's a reason why he keeps fighting us on the same levels that he's fighting us. I feel like telling somebody in this house tonight, it's time to move on. It's time to climb out of this pit. It's time to move on to a different battle. It's time for us to get out of the same old rut and let God work. It's like the enemy's success is foretold. Every time he comes at us with the same old thing, we just cower down and let it happen. But one of these days, and i got to believe it's going to happen for somebody on this Sunday night. One of these days, he's going to come knocking on your door. And he's going to realize somebody different's answering the door today than he had yesterday. Something is going to shift in your mind and in your heart and in your spirit where you realize you are not heaven's stepchild. You are adopted by the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We are joint heirs with Christ. Are you hearing what I'm telling you tonight? Peter said it like this. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You are a peculiar people. You are the children of God. It's time to see yourself the way God sees you. People may look at you and see your scars. God looks at you and sees your potential. That might be the best preaching I do all night right there. Well, pastor, you know, I mean, those people, are, they're never going to believe in me. Okay. That's all? Yeah, that's all. Well, what if they judge me? Okay. What if they judge my worship? Okay. Well, what if they, what if they don't like seeing, seeing God bless me? Okay. Welcome to the club. I ain't never been here for people to pat me on the back. Look, I'm going to just say this, and I know it's strong. I ain't trying to hurt nobody. But I want you to know the people that always have something to say about you are probably talking about you because they don't want you to know what they're hiding. Oh, that's, that's better preaching than that. If you're standing around waiting on the applause of men before you get a burden to do something for God, you're going to be waiting a long time. But I made up in my mind a long time ago. Whether anybody ever tells me it was right or tells me it was good, I've got a burden in my heart and I've got to do something for God. got to do something for God. And so they start fighting, they start mocking, making fun. And, uh, oh, Brother Herring preached such a powerful message, and he preached from the five questions that were asked in this second verse. I would like to draw from the last question that's asked, will they revive the stones from the rubbish? Will they revive the stones from the leftovers? I mean, look at this. This is horrible. This is awful. Look at, look at what's left. And so while the enemy wants us to believe that we don't have what's sufficient, For God to do what he's going to do. Listen, let me just stop and interject this right here, okay? Let me just say this. I'm going to push pause and say this. I still believe every single thing that God has ever said about this church. Yes, 
If God said it, I believe it, and I believe he's going to do it. I believe if he started it, he's going to finish it. I believe it. And so he's looking around. He's like, man, how in the world, how, how in the world are we going to do this? I mean, how are we going to make this happen? And I found myself recently, please just hear my heart out, okay? Hear my heart. I found myself recently in this constant uphill battle in my prayer life saying, God, I don't know how you're going to make, how, how you're going to do this with what we've got left. And I'm not talking about our church. <laughs> Thank God for this church. If I didn't have his church, I'd probably be insane. I'm talking about where we're at in the world right now. I, I, I received a message this week. After the first of the year uh, in, in Europe, there's a conference there that uh, I was supposed to preach. They've already canceled it twice. And I have no clue if I'm going to be able to get there to do it this year. I don't know. I just said, pencil it in, we'll try. And I'm over here praying, saying, God, open these borders. Open these nations. Let God do this. Please do open this up. Give us another swing. And then in the next breath, I'm saying, God, how are you going to do it? I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking at really where we're at right now and, and what's left over. Forgive me if you think my spirit's wrong, but I, I've watched the filth of the spirit of this age right now as it's crying out. Uh, watched a governor the other day that was talking about uh, vaccine mandates and said, you know, this is what God wants you to do and I need you to be my apostles and, uh, and go get vaccinated. Using biblical words, I want you to be my apostles and go get vaccinated. I'm like, who in the world do you people think you are? You th I mean, you think you're Jesus Christ? There's only, there's only one man that ever had apostles. You hear what I'm telling you? There's only one man that's ever had apostles. And he was God in the flesh and you're not. I was walking down the street in Indianapolis this week. I had my wife, my kids, my mother-in-law, and, and Sister Jennifer. I was the only guy in the group. The story of my life. I'm used to it. <laughs> and I'm walking down the street, downtown Indianapolis. And, of course, I was, we were dressed in church clothes. I just got out of service during the day, headed to lunch. And uh, this, this guy came walking by us. I could tell you everything he had on. I, I got a really good mental picture in case... He decided to come back. I can tell you everything he had on. I looked up and I saw him and I knew there was something wrong with the guy. I could tell spiritually like my swords just, they just started going crazy. He walked by me and my wife and my kids and he goes, God is not real. And just kept walking. And I'm thinking to myself, God, how are we going to have revival? Now, I want you to just listen to this. One man spoke to me, God is not real, and I just left a room with 8,000 people that said he was. Are, are, are you hearing what I'm telling you? He said, God is not real. So I'm walking with my kids, and I'm like, I don't have to put up with that. The guy just kept walking. He was a, he was a coward. He just kept walking. And I told my girl, I said, you know what I'd like to ask him, sir? Have you ever smelled pain? Have you ever seen pain? Well, if you can't see it and you can't smell it and you can't taste it, 
then how do you know pain is real? There's only one way to know it's real, because you can feel it. And I want to tell you, I may have never seen God. I may have never smelled God. I may have never tasted God. But I feel Him right now in my sanctified soul. And I just walked out of a room with about 8,000 people that can feel it. You can say all day that God is not real. But I know that I know that I know that I know that I know He is real. Man. Y'all, you, you might have to tie me down in a minute because it's about to get a hold of me. Listen, can I preach to you? I don't want you to believe that the loudest voices in this nation are the majority. I'm not even going to charge extra for this. I'm just preaching to you. It's a spirit that gets on the church. It gets on God's people. Elijah's in the cave and he's saying, God, I'm the only one slept. I can't prop. Listen, I, 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 can I put this in context? The Joker literally just killed 400 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the grove. That's 800. And one woman says, I'm going to kill you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Just killed 800 men. And the Bible don't say anybody helped him. He just killed 800 men. And this woman said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you by this time tomorrow. He, oh, God. That tells me two things. Women are powerful. Well, you can take that to the bank, son. I've been whooped by a woman littler than me more than once in my life. And thank God it wasn't my wife. Here he is laid up in the cave saying, God, nobody wants this. Jezebel's trying to kill me, and the blood of 800 prophets is still dripping in the ground. The Lord said, boy, get up from there. He said, there's 7,000 that have never bowed a knee. Are you hearing me tonight, FPC? I want you to know that the enemy wants us to believe that we are the minority. It is not a fact. There are people tonight that are filled with the Holy Ghost and been baptized in Jesus' name that have more power than any agnostic, any atheist, any power of darkness. Yeah, but pastor, they, 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 they've got the platform. They get the microphone. They get the camera. But what they don't get is the final say. Are you hearing me tonight? I said they don't get the final say. They don't get the final say. God gets the final say. And God said, upon this rock, I'll... I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail.
And so this is what the enemy does. We look at the mess that's around us. And this is the message. You can't do anything with that. Just look at it. But it's apparent that Sam Ballot knew the potential of the rubbish. Because he says this in a unique way. He said, will he revive? Somebody shout revival. revival. Well, we talk a lot about it. I don't know if we really believe in it. Sam Ballot said, you think he's going to have revival? I mean, I wonder if he realizes, Lord Jesus, God, I want to get this to you. I wonder if he realizes that everything that was there before the storm is still there. Every stone that was there before the, the fire, before the walls were torn down, it's still there. Everything that made us what we were before the storm, it's still there. It don't look the same. So the enemy comes to us and says, well, you can't do anything with this. You need to go find some new stones. If you're going to rebuild, go get some new stones. And this right here is what I believe. I believe this is where we're at on a prophetic timeline. This, I believe, Brother Bailey, is the great falling away. Where men are looking for new stones to build new walls, new messages, new doctrines, new standards. Well, I, I, I don't believe that's necessary for salvation anymore. You can take that stone out of here. I don't want it here. I want to tell you tonight, I still believe that Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. God, I'm trying to stay in my skin right now. I still believe this is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And we've got one cornerstone. I'm not looking for new stones. I'm looking for revival. Oh. Revival does not come from a search. Of finding a new way to do this. God, I, want, I think I want to preach more than y'all want to listen right now because I'm feeling it all over me right now. I said revival does not come by looking for new ways to do this. I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe revival is exactly what it says. It's getting your hands dirty and getting down in the rubbish of where we've been and saying we may came through some storms and we may have came through some fire, but the same thing that got us here is going to be the same thing that gets us where we're going. There's some dangerous winds blowing right now. Yes, there are. You, you, you may not believe me, but I'm telling you, I, I've, I've been faced with the questions. Brother Bigham, what are we, we going to do when a man that was born a man, but now he thinks he's a woman, comes in to get baptized in Jesus' name? Pastors are wondering, what, 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 what are we going to do? What, what do, you, what do you, bro, what, what do we do if a, if, if a transsexual comes and gets baptized? I didn't have to think three seconds. Come on. Amen. I'm going to baptize them in Jesus' name and tell them before I baptize them, you were created in the image of God to be a male or a female. And this ideology that you're believing right now was born out of perversion. Yes, 
So I'm not going to baptize you unless you're willing to go back into the image that you were created to be. I'm telling you, we got to be careful because the world's putting pressure on us to find some new stones. But I'd rather dig through the rubbish of what's left and re re revive and rebuild from the stone. Oh, God. Somebody help me right here. I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh. I'm telling you, I, I feel it from the top of my head to the soles of my feet right now. I prophesied to this church several years ago that God wasn't going to be mocked. That some of these mega churches were going to start closing their doors that have become cultural fellowship centers instead of revival centers where people are saved. And I'm not saying this with arrogance, but I'm telling you right now, they're shutting down by the day. Churches are closing across this nation. And there was a prophetic word that went forth a few weeks ago by Brother Wayne Huntley. He said, you're not asking big enough. He said, I'm believing that what God is getting ready to do is some of these doors that he's been closing on them. He's getting ready to open up for us. My God, I, I feel it running up and down my legs right now. I feel a sign in the Holy Ghost that what I'm saying to you is right in the Holy Ghost tonight. Are you hearing me? Mm. It's about time we start praying bold prayers. Mm. Tell you what I believe. I believe that God's getting ready to open doors. And he confirmed this word. Some of you may remember me sharing this. But he's already started confirming this word. It's happening right now. Uh, Brother Hodges in Pendleton, who's a dear friend, precious preacher of this truth. Brother Hodges has been struggling for a long time. When he planted the church in Pendleton, they rented a denominal church building. And uh, they, they, they kind of had like, didn't see eye to eye on some things. And they kicked him out of the building. So he had to go to a storefront. And he was renting a building and pouring money just month after month. Just pouring money and renting a building, renting a building, renting a building. Just kept on being faithful to what the Lord had told him to do. Brother Hodges came up to me in the parking lot of a restaurant on a Sunday afternoon. He said, bro, let me tell you what God has done. He said, you remember the church we used to have church in? I said, yes, sir. He said, the pastor of that church just called me the other day and said to me, look, we don't have anybody coming to church anymore, and we're closing our doors. We'd like to give you our building. I don't know if I'm supposed to tell this or not. If, 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 it, if it upsets him, I'll repent. 
This is what he told me. He said the district superintendent of that organization called him and said, look, we're, we're going to have to ask something from you to buy the building. Like, we, I mean, we want you to have it. He said, but we're going to have to get something from you, something. And Brother Hodges said, well, like, what are you thinking? He said, I'm thinking $5,000. Brother Hodges took a step of faith. He said, how about we give you $4,000 and we'll pay the closing cost? He said, it's done. Can I tell you that in South Madison County where real estate is prime and you can't find it anywhere God said let me take somebody that'll revive old stones and let them walk into a building hey I'm there are no new stones if we're going to have revival it's going to be by reviving the stone Somebody shout, no new stone. I hadn't had this hard time preaching in a while. I'm telling you, I feel drunk in the Holy Ghost. You listen to what I'm telling you. And you you, got to know my heart. I'm not going to keep prefacing this. I'm not saying this out of arrogance. You listen to what I'm telling you right now. The eyes of the church world are on Pentecost right now. If I told you, you wouldn't believe the people that have been signing into our church services. And I'm standing on the words of God that have been spoken to this church. That entire congregation. That God's going to give us pastors And bring them into the fullness of the revelation of truth And they're going to begin to baptize entire congregations Hey I wish I could remember the all, all, all the exact things of the story. Sister Bingham may have to help me just a little bit. A couple years ago, my grandfather received a phone call from one of his uh, friends that he knew in Dyersburg that was a preacher of another denomination that did not believe in the Holy Ghost. And he contacted my grandfather, and I'm, I'm going to give you the short version. It was a powerful story. He said he wanted the Holy Ghost so bad. He said, God, if it's real, if it's real, then give it to me. And I, I don't want this to sound crude at all. But Brother McLean, he said, he said, I, I, I didn't know how to do it. And I didn't really want to try to do it in front of people. He said, he said, I slipped in the restroom. I was all by myself. He said, I slipped in the restroom. And I sat down on the commode. He said, I was in there all by myself. And I just said, God. If this Holy Ghost thing is real. Been a preacher for years. Pastored a, a decent congregation in Dyersburg, Tennessee. He said, God, if this thing is really real, I want it right now. Boom. <laughs> he said, right there in the bathroom of my home, 
I began to speak with other tongues. He said, I went straight to my board. I was scared to death. He said, I went to my board at the church and told them, look, I've preached for years that it was a gift God only gave some people. But you need to know that your pastor has been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm trying to hurry. Y'all doing okay? Somebody shout no new stones. It still takes the Holy Ghost. I can't tell you what company because I don't want anybody getting in trouble. But it was easier this weekend in, in, in Indianapolis for us to just get a, a, a vehicle to pick us up. And you're supposed to get in there and, and, and put on your face diaper and all that stuff. And so we got in real late one night and this guy picked me up. Listen, this guy picked me and my wife and kids up. He said, why are you in town? I said, convention. He said, what kind of convention? I said, Pentecostal convention. He goes, mmm. Am I lying? He goes, mmm. He said, uh, Pentecostal. Are you tongue talkers? I said, uh, yes, sir. He said, uh, so tell me, when you're getting the Holy Ghost, what are you doing? I said, uh, what do you mean? He said, what is this speaking in tongues thing? And I blacked out. I just blacked out. I don't even know. I went, I went and ran. I said, let me tell you what it is, brother. I said in the book of Acts, the second chapter, Acts 2, Acts 6, Acts 10, Acts 19. I said, everywhere they received the Holy Ghost. And I went on. We're getting real close. We're pulling up to the, to the hotel. We're pulling in. I said, and I, I'm like, I'm just spitting off at the mouth. The book of Acts, this is what I did. I said, it's a reversal of what happened at Babel. It's the Spirit of God working through. It's the tongues of most unruly member of your body. God can be with the Holy Ghost. We pull up, and I said, matter of fact, you can have it right now if you want it. He goes, why don't I have it? I said, sir, have you ever asked for it? He said, yes. All my life I've asked for it. I said, you believe God's respect or persons and he'd give me something he won't give you? He started playing with his mask. He said, uh, I won't keep you. But I've enjoyed the talk. I said, yes, sir. We got out of the car. Next night, my family and I were eating, we're, we're eating at a restaurant. It's late, so I get on my app. I call up the thing. We got to get a certain kind of ride, you know. It tells you who your driver is. You get a picture of them, their name. Guess who? I said, well, I guess God's about to give him another chance. And, and, and I, I hate to throw you a curveball, but I got in. He didn't want to talk about the Holy Ghost on the second night. So he took us to the hotel, dropped us off. So the next night, the last night, we go to eat. And we go to this restaurant, and everybody gets their ride. And my family's still standing. We got the last one. It was like yours is 16 minutes away. I'm like, oh, God. Great. So I'm going to stand out here on a street corner in Indianapolis, Indiana. No flak jacket. 
No helmet, no body armor. Honestly, it wasn't bad. It was good. I would die happy. I was full of tacos. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll just wait. I mean, we're, we're not going to walk. It's too far of a walk. And I got pating. So-and-so's on the way, 14 minutes. I get a picture. I'm like, oh, bless her heart. She's coming. So we get in. Of course, here it goes. What are you in town for? So, well, I'm actually here for a church convention. I pastor a church in Anderson. It's not far, but we just stayed down here because it's easier to have to drive back and forth a couple times a day. Well, since you're a pastor, I'd like for you to remember my daughter in prayer. I said, tell me about your daughter. She started telling me her daughter's been epileptic. It stopped for a long time, two weeks ago. I think she said two weeks ago, three weeks ago. She had a, 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 a grandma seizure, terrible. They ha- they've had to put her on all kinds of medication. What's your daughter's name? She told me her daughter's name. I said, sweetheart, we're going to pray for your daughter. I'm going to bind together and believe with you. I said, matter of fact, matter of fact, when we park this car tonight, if it's all right with you, we're going to have prayer in this car. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Lord, I don't want anybody to get in trouble. God blind and, and deaf, whoever don't need to hear this. She started and she said, I don't like these masks anyway. She pulled me, her faith was building. We're driving down the road. Her, she pulled that thing down. She's like, y'all don't have to wear them if you don't want to. We, we, we pulled up in front of the hotel. And she goes to stop, Elvis. And she puts on the brake, comes to a full stop. She goes... I'm going to pull up out of the way in case anybody needs to get through while we're praying. She pulled the car up and put it in park. She's up here in the driver's seat. And she gets up on her knees in the seat. And she turns around, sticks one arm over to Lauren and one arm out to me. And we started praying over her. And the Holy Ghost got to moving in her car. And I noticed... All of a sudden, she just paused for a second. And you can feel the Holy Ghost. I said, this girl wants some Holy Ghost. We cranked it up one more notch. Started praying. My family began to speak with other tongues. And just as we did, she started speaking in that hell. She started talking in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. never been ashamed to be a tongue talker. I don't need new stones. Can you imagine God gave you two opportunities for a visitation and you didn't take it so he sent another driver the next night. I'm going to tell y'all what this preacher believes. You don't have to believe it with me if you don't want to. But if I could get about two or three that believe it, God ain't finished with that girl. We bound together and prayed with her. I'm going to just say it publicly tonight. I can't wait to get the email that her daughter is healed and completely whole. And they've been baptized in Jesus' name. Yes. 
God, give us boldness. Give us boldness. Give us boldness. I'm praying over this church tonight. God, give us boldness. I don't care if we're in an Uber, a Lyft, a taxi, an airplane, wherever we are. Give us boldness. Can I just be honest with you tonight, church? I'm, I'm finished preaching. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm ready to see it. I said, I'm tired of hearing about it. I want to see it. I want to see it, Brother Haney. I want to see God do it. I feel something churning in my spirit tonight, Brother Snow. God, I feel it all over me right now. There's a shift in the atmosphere. We've been praying and we've been preaching and we've been prophesying. But I'm telling you right now, I believe God's going to give us another swing at this thing. I'm telling you, I believe that God's going to start opening up these borders. I will tell you this. Again, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But where I'm, where I'm supposed to be going in February is one of the first countries in the world that have stepped out and said, all restrictions are lifted completely. And if God will help us keep it that way and it'll start putting pressure on these other countries. You listen to what I'm telling you. There's a reason why the resistance is pushing us right now. There's a reason why the enemy is pushing so hard and trying to make a mockery of the church. But I believe with all my heart that there's some folks in this house tonight that are going to see the day that the rubbish is removed and the stones are revived. I've been promising for years that I want to go, Sister Snow, that I want to go be with your family. I've I've wanted to, and we can't do it right now. But I'm believing God's not done. I said, I'm believing. I've been praying about a particular country because God opened major doors for me there a few years ago. This week, one of the precious men in this church was able to get in and out of that country. With no trouble whatsoever. I'm saying, God, push just a little bit. Let your wind blow just a little bit. Blow some of this rubbish off and let us see the stones. God, God I feel it in my spirit. Uh. Bro, God's going to do it through the old stones. You and I have been binding together and believing God for this. I never stopped believing what I felt the Lord promised me when you started coming to this church. We're going to see it in this church. God's going to help us do it. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? God's not finished with these two guys. There's an anointing on them. 
Boaz, we bought those headsets by faith. And God saw us do that, and he's going to honor it. Get your vocal cords warmed up. Amen. Y'all get ready to get out from behind that computer, because God's about to start it for us again. Every time we felt like we had an inroad, something would happen. We got a family coming and going. We felt like it was an open door for us to, to reach some people. And we just like felt like we were getting our brains beat out, you know. Did all we could. There's a little bit of rubbish laying on top of that. But I'm declaring in Jesus' name. I don't know how to explain this to you, but I was thinking about this today. About, about what I'm preaching to you tonight. I was walking right up here this morning. And bro, just as sure as I'm breathing. Where's my wife? At? Babe, this morning, I was walking right there. And I saw Ryan Crossley standing in this pulpit. He pastors a Hispanic church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Dear friend, just preached at General Conference. And I saw Brother Ryan Crosley preaching. And he was preaching in Spanish. And people had their hands raised. Hey, folks, I'm just telling you. We're fixing to start adding some services around here. If there was about 15 that feel what I feel right now, this place would blow wide open. wish somebody that's been filled with the Holy Ghost would just open your mouth with authority right now and begin to pray what you can't pray on your own. That you begin to just pray in the Holy Ghost.